Hi, I'm uh, Gavin Givanoni. I'm Professor of Neurology at Barnes & London School of Medicine and Dentistry. And I'm doing a case study today of a young male with multiple sclerosis who had a possible relapse. Um, he was booked into my clinic, um, but a week before, before I'm, I saw him in my clinic, he woke up uh, in the morning with uh, a buzzing sensation or a ringing sensation in his left ear. This is probable tinnitus because there wasn't any outside noise and it was in one year only. And then over the next few minutes, he says five to ten minutes, he lost hearing in that ear and developed severe vertigo with vomiting. Now he talked about projectile vomiting. And he was so unsteady that he was unable to walk. He phoned his general practitioner who asked him to contact the neurology team at our hospital for further advice. Uh, one of my trainees uh, spoke to him over the phone and diagnosed him as having an MS relapse, recommended he go on to anti-emetics. He recommended the GP put him on prochlorperazine, which is a drug to suppress nausea and vomiting. And uh, the trainee contacted my MS clinical nurse specialist to arrange for this patient to come up for a relapse assessment in my clinic the following week. Um, just to give you some background, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis uh, three years ago. He presented with optic neuritis with a previous history of Bell's palsy. His MRI was typical of MS. His lumbar puncture showed local synthesis of oligoclonal IgG bands, and he fulfilled the diagnostic criteria for dissemination in time and space. So he had a diagnosis of MS, and we had started him on dimethyl fumarate or tecfidera uh, three years ago, and he'd been adherent to therapy and done extremely well with no relapses uh, and his M annual MRI scan show no new lesions. So he is what we would call NIDA, no evident inflammatory disease activity. So when I saw this patient in my clinic um, several days later, this was the following week, um, the acute crisis had subsided and his symptoms had improved quite markedly. Uh, he was able to walk into my consulting room but was still a bit unsteady on his feet and he still had this tinnitus, this ringing sound in his ear and he had some moderate deafness in that ear. Um, importantly, his vertigo had almost resolved except when you actually moved his head quickly it would re generate a symptom of vertigo. And he had this ataxia, this unsteadiness of gait. When I examined his eye movements, he had this very strange torsional nystagmus um, um, that would indicate that he had an inner ear problem rather than something occurring in the brainstem or cerebellum, which can also cause nystagmus. And uh, when I asked him directly about um, whether or not he had a sensation or fullness in his left ear, he recalled that very well. And so the uh, message, I mean, I diagnosed him as having Meniere's disease. I didn't think he had an MS relapse because all of the clinical signs were in his ear and there was nothing else to suggest uh, central nervous system brainstem uh, syndrome. And this is uh, an example that happens almost every week or every month in my MS clinical practice is that people just assume that all new symptoms are due to MS. And I think it's very important for healthcare professionals always to step back and ask the question, could this be something else? Don't always blame multiple sclerosis. And this is one of the problems we have not only in MS, but in, in, in medicine in general, when somebody's got a chronic disease, everything gets blamed on that chronic disease. And it's quite obvious that people with multiple sclerosis can develop other conditions. You know, I have numerous patients with uh, MS who've had other conditions, CNS lymphomas, meningiomas, malignant brain tumors, strokes, migraine, you name it. They have other neurological problems. And so it's really important to try and have a blank sheet and always think about whether or not the symptoms could be MS related. Anyway, I've put a little video online just to show you what the torsional nystagmus looks like in somebody with an acute attack of 
Meniere's disease um, uh, that's online. Anyway, my trainee had arranged an MRI scan, and as expected, there was no new lesions uh, on the brain stem to suggest a relapse. I must point out that you don't have to have a new lesion on an MRI scan to make a diagnosis of a relapse. In my experience, about a quarter of relapses will not have any new lesions. And the reason for this is an MRI scan is not that sensitive. It only picks up lesions of about three or four millimeters or larger. So you could have a tiny new lesion in a critical area of the brain that is smaller than three millimeters that can cause a relapse. And so this is why you do not need an MRI scan to have a relapse diagnosis. It's a clinical diagnosis. And the MRI is often done maybe to exclude other conditions, but it shouldn't be done to confirm a relapse. Uh, please keep that in mind. And if you want more information on this, I've done a case study back in early January uh, on this, and you can uh, read that if you want. Now, how common is Menier's disease and MS together? I don't know, but I've been in MS practice now almost 30 years, and I've collected three patients with uh, Menier's disease uh, and multiple sclerosis. So it does occur, and I suspect it may be more common than I realize. Uh, what is Menier's disease? So inside the inner ear, these sacs that contain fluid, um, the fluid is called endolymph and perilymph. And what happens is there's like a hypertension. These, the, the inner sac gets filled up with an increased pressure. And every now and again, the membrane tears or ruptures and the two fluids mix. And when the two fluids mix, it causes the hair cells uh, to become activated and that causes a symptom. So it actually stimulates the sense organ. Yeah, and the sense organ in the inner ear is twofold. It's to pick up rotational movements, gravity, gravitational movements, and it's also for hearing. And that's why people get vertigo and they also get buzzing or, or tinnitus. What normally happens is that uh, the ruptured membrane heals and the, the uh, fluid recalibrates itself and the symptoms resolve. But each time you have an attack, um, it damages the hair cells and over time people begin to lose the inner ear function and may be left with permanent vertigo, permanent tinnitus or hearing loss. So it becomes a chronic problem. Um, the diagnosis of Menier's disease is actually a clinical diagnosis. There is nothing you can do on imaging or anything else to diagnose it. Imaging is often done mainly to exclude other causes like tumors or strokes, whatever. Um, and the symptomatic, the treatment of Menier's disease is really symptomatic. Uh, and if it becomes chronic, in other words, recurrent episodes, you can take uh, diuretics and there are medications to try and reduce the, uh, the amount of lymph uh, endolymph in the, in, the, in the inner ear, to, in other words, reduce the pressure. Um, more recently, um, there's been some studies showing that if you put, put corticosteroids, uh, high-dose depot steroids uh, in the inner ear, it actually reduces the attack rate. And occasionally, people need surgery to try and decompress that uh, raised pressure. Um, this, it's not a neurological condition in inverted commas. You know, people who have Menier's disease go off to the ear, nose, and throat clinic, and they have specialist clinics that look after these people with vestibular problems. However, we as neurologists have to be able to diagnose Menier's disease and because it uh, uh, mimics neurological problems. So, you know, people can have a stroke or a new lesion in the, in, in the brainstem or cerebellum that can actually cause symptoms that could mimic uh, Menier's disease. Now, what about tinnitus and MS? Uh, in this case, I put up because it's just over the last 12 months, I must have seen maybe four or five people uh, with multiple sclerosis complaining of tinnitus, usually as a manifestation of a relapse. Um, one of my patients is probably not MS-related, maybe just age-related because it's bilateral, and they'd had previous uh, noise damage, which is actually a risk factor for adult onset or age-related uh, tinnitus. 
Anyway, so I went to the medical literature and I started off with the textbook. Uh, I have the Bible of AMS, which is the Back Alpines uh, textbook of multiple sclerosis. We've got the fourth edition. I went to the index and there isn't tinnitus in the index. So there's nothing in this book that I'm aware of that discusses tinnitus. I then went and did an online uh, search uh, and I did find a scattering of papers saying that tinnitus does occur in people with multiple sclerosis. But I couldn't get from the papers how common it is uh, or the context. You know, was tinnitus part of an MS relapse, which I suspect it, it, it will happen. People will have new lesions in the brainstem that will cause tinnitus. Uh, is it part of progressive disease? Is it a side effect of medication? Some of the medications we use may cause tinnitus. Uh, or is it another disease? You know, is it menias or something else? And so um, this led me to think, well, that we, sh we should probably do a survey and find out how common this is. And we've got a visiting fellow uh, from Turkey for six months who's going to do a clinical audit, a project for us, uh, um, doing an anonymous online survey uh, to find out how common tinnitus is in people with multiple sclerosis, the context it occurs in, uh, when it occurs, uh, its severity, and whether or not it's been diagnosed and treated. Uh, and so this is why I would appreciate if you as the MS Selfie community could fill in an online survey. It takes about five minutes if you have a history of tinnitus, and it'll probably take you 60 seconds or even less if you don't have tinnitus to complete. But I do want everybody to complete the survey. I don't want it to be just people with tinnitus. So this is, and there's also some uh, questions around hearing and uh, other hidden symptoms. My suspicion is that tinnitus is missed in clinical practice because we don't ask about it. And maybe people with, the, with multiple sclerosis don't volunteer that they've got tinnitus. And so this is maybe one of those under-recognized hidden symptoms that we should add to the uh, uh, list of things we ask uh, for people, people in clinic with. Obviously, the, the results of the survey will inform us whether or not we need to formally ask about tinnitus, whether we need to set up a, a different investigation pathway for this, and whether or not we should treat the condition. Uh, there are some treatments that help. Uh, these are drugs that dampen down the neuronal excitability in the ear. Uh, um, uh, or uh, we can actually use um, masking devices. Because tinnitus actually is a very common cause of insomnia, sleep disorder. And you know, if you have got tinnitus, some people have major problems getting off to sleep at night. And you can use white noise, which is a mix, of, uh, uh, a mixture of noises at a certain uh, uh, amplitude uh, that helps you sleep at night. Anyway, please. Um, Click on the survey, complete it, and we'll get back to you with the results in a few months' time. We're probably going to keep this open for quite a while because we're going to be doing it in our clinic as well. And if you do have uh, any questions, please feel free to ask the questions and also share your experiences. If you are a person with MS that's had tinnitus, let us know about, about it and how it was diagnosed and how it was treated. You know, we want to learn from each other because this is something that is not uppermost on uh, MS specialists' agenda. It's something that way down uh, down the list. And again, I just urge you to uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Um, I had a meeting yesterday actually with our team that are doing the uh, MSLV microsite, the medical writer and the web designer, and we're looking good. So we almost finished the uh, main section, which is going to be around starting disease modifying therapy, and we're hoping to go live uh, before Ectrams, so the end of September, beginning of October. And, and then it's a work in progress because this is going to take probably years to complete, but at least it will allow people with multiple sclerosis, instead of coming to the MS Selfie uh, website 
and having this long list of uh, newsletters to scroll through and find information, they'll be going to a beautifully curated uh, website with a nice index, easy to find, and you could get to the information you want to with one or two clicks. And I think, uh, and also it'll be all written in a, in a standardized way um, by a professional medical writer who is absolutely brilliant. I've worked with her before. She has helped me um, on several other projects, and I think she's one of the best medical writers uh, I've had the opportunity to work for. And that will make the information at least consistent in terms of its level of um, uh, complexity, and uh, it'll, it'll, it'll provide some kind of standardization to the MS Selfie information. So thank you, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you.